Hello, beautiful fans of the Brave Yes Show. Today, my guest is Julie Arts. Julie Arts spent her young life sneaking into wardrobes searching for Narnia. When people started thinking that was creepy, she had to find other ways to explore her passion for mystical adventures. Now she finds those long sought doors to magical story worlds in her work as an author, developmental editor, and book coach. Welcome, Julie. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you here. And I must let you know that writing is my background. So I could dish about writing all day long. So I'm really glad that we're having this conversation. <laughs> yeah, excellent. So I love to start out by channeling the great mystic Howard Thurman and ask all of my guests the same question. How is it today with your soul? Oh, today it's wonderful. I just got back from a long weekend with my family to the San Juan Islands. Um, we got to be out in nature and see the sea and be out of our house for one of the first times in the last year. So, um, so my soul is very content right now. Oh, I bet. That sounds wonderful. Wonderful. And so, let us begin. Uh, the Brave Yes Show explores the many and varied courageous leaps that women make in order to show up in their lives more fully, more authentic, and more whole, and hopefully without apology. And what I've learned on my own Brave Yes journey, though I've had many, is that there's often a catalytic moment that leaps up to us and kind of sets us on our path. And so what I want to start with is what happened for you in your life before, what was going on before, what were you going through before your brave yes, which we'll talk about your brave yes, and I'll, you can feel free to introduce it at any point. Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting. I um, grew up as the fourth out of five children um, in a, a very busy, uh, fairly conservative Midwestern household. Um, and I have been reflecting a lot in this last year, as I mentioned, since we've been on lockdown, um, about what kinds of messages I internalized. Um, I was this really, um, earnest, curious, and very outspoken kid, but also a little on the anxious side. And um, so I do know that I internalized a lot of messages that were not the intent from the message giver, right? Like I have a great relationship with my family now as an adult and, um, and, and bear them no ill will for some of the, the lies that I believed about myself <laughs> as a result of things that I, that I misinterpreted about them. But, you know, it's really easy to see, I think, in this society, how this kind of earnest, anxious kid with a lot of ideas and a, a tend to, uh, tendency toward being really talkative um, could hear things like, um, will you just be quiet? <laughs> will you please stop talking? Um, well, you, you're too much, um, you are uh, too bossy, uh, too exuberant, too this, too that. And, um, and that wasn't just from my family, but that's from society as a whole, right? Like they, they want women, especially teenage girls and, and middle school age girls to, um, to look pretty and be quiet. And uh, and support their and support their men, support their patriarchy, right? So, 
so growing up in that in that kind of environment, I started to think, oh, I probably am too much. I should tone it down. Um, I sh- probably I I am too talkative. You know, I'm too this. I'm too that, and. Um, and it affected me, I think for a long time, affected my confidence and, um, and it just affected the way that, that I was in the world um, in, a, in a really significant way. And it didn't get better when I left, left the house. I went to, a, again, a, a conservative Midwestern university um, where I had many great experiences and I still have friends and close professor relationships. But I also, uh, you know, got dangled over a stairwell and told, you're the cause of all the evil in this world. You and women like you, you're the devil. And <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, that makes an impression. That makes an impression. Even if, even if you're, um, even if your mind knows rationally that, that these messages aren't true, your heart is, uh, is bruised by them. Yeah. So I love, first of all, I love all of that. Thank you for sharing it. Um, I feel like I want to unpack that for like three more hours. Um, (laughs) first of all, as a, as a too much myself, right. So I'm really resonating with that story and having twin, uh, 15 year old girls myself right now, um, who are going through this, you know, kind of what you're feeling right now, just kind of like figuring out who they are. And it's so hard to watch your messages, right? Like I'm all like paranoid of what I'm teaching them because I know so much more now, right? (laughs) I know know how I might mess them up. Um, I'm wondering, so you were this too much person. Um, Did you change? Did, you know, you said, maybe I should just be quiet. Maybe I should just kind of tone it down. Did you do that? Well, I I feel like I did for um for a while um i think um those around me might have argued that i did not (laughs) (laughs) right i'm not um i i've never been particularly conformist in um in nature so so i was doing things like um like uh, fighting against my church community when they had anti-LGBTQ views and um, and, um, protesting the various wars that have been going on basically for my entire adulthood and and that sort of thing. So so you might argue that I didn't, um, that I didn't change, but on the inside I changed. I think I was this super confident kind of boisterous kid um, when I say I, when I was in first grade, second grade, third grade, and, um, and I became less of that. So I, I described a lot of my journey about trying to get back to that kid. Um, when I was five years old, somebody asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I said, either a fireman or the president of the United States. (laughs) So like, that's the kid that I was. And I, and I've been trying to get back to that kid that was like, I, my options are limitless. And, um, and it took, it took a long time. I'm, I'm 46 years old. And I think I'm closer to that five-year-old now than I've ever, than I've ever been in my adult life, which is a a good feeling and a scary feeling um, at the same time, because if people don't like you when you're not being your true authentic self, that's one thing. But if people don't like me now, when I am the most me that I've ever been, (laughs) Well, when I was, what I was noticing and what you just said about how you continued to speak up, 
um, and disrupt, right? I'm a disruptor, hello, fellow disruptor. Um, but it sounds like you were okay with speaking up for others, but maybe downplaying speaking up for yourself or being able to kind of really speak on, on your own behalf. Mm -hmm. And that is so true. And, um, and that's the great paradox too of, um, of becoming a mother for me, because it's on the one hand, one of the most joyful things I've ever done in my life. Um, I have a 14 year old and a 16 year old and, um, and love them with my whole heart as, as all mothers do. Um, but nothing, uh, puts labels on women quite so much as motherhood. <laughs> mm, absolutely. <laughs> and those, all those shoulds that come up. And, and so I think, yeah, that tendency to, um, to speak up for others then became like a tendency 100% to just to speak up and, and advocate for my children. And I think I just, I got a little forgotten um, in that. And I say that as somebody who had a great deal of support as, as a mother, my husband was able to work from home when the kids were small. Um, they're actually only 20 months apart, um, which meant that the first couple of years were very intense. And so we were really, really fortunate that he was able to work from home. So that that meant that I got a shower every day, that I got to eat, um, you know, during the day, every day and, um, and that sort of thing. And also that I was able to dial back and only work part-time um, when the kids were born, which, you know, it, it, there's a great deal of, um, of privilege there in that. Um, but that doesn't mean that it wasn't also really, really hard. And, um, and so I lost myself a little bit in, um, in motherhood um, all the way up until really recently, actually, because, um, because, you know, the kids go from being really physically demanding when they're tiny, tiny toddlers and they, they uh, rely on you for food and, and for diaper changes and every single thing. Um, and then they, they morph into these um, middle school kids that need you for a ride to every single place <laughs> for every single activity and need you to remember, yes. um, you know, which binder they're supposed to take for which class and which shoes for which sporting activity and everything else. And, um, and like, I, I joke with my husband that the mom taxi life took over my life for a couple of years in a way that was really, um, again, not very self erasing. Like, mm -hmm. what am I? I am an Uber driver for these two children. And that is my main job. It's not, <laughs> not very fulfilling, not yeah, very fulfilling. Not fulfilling. It's interesting that you say, so, so you are, it sounds like you're about to talk about kind of reconnecting with your yourself and, and your creativity. Um, but for me, you know, I started, I started writing, blogging, becoming a uh, business owner coach eight years ago. And I would say, you know, before those eight years and then the last, I don't know, four, you know, until about four years ago, I thought that my creativity was so much greater when my, my twins, when they were little uh, and it, you know, they were so preoccupied with each other most of the time, like when they would play, I would just sit on the floor wherever they were and just everything just exploded out of me. And one of my current struggles is feeling like I have lost that ability over the years. Now, some of that is probably just raising teenagers has been emotionally zapping for me. 
Um, but also getting too much in my head on the shoulds, like you said, um, that has, I think, really started to weigh me down. Um, so I just think it's interesting. Everybody's journey is so different. So tell us about your brave yes. I mean, walk us through what happened there for you. Well, you know, it's really interesting because I think that my brave yes has been a series of, of steps toward where I am right now. And, um, and I think it really started for me um, in, uh, in 2010. Um, my husband and I were both working for Sun Microsystems. Um, like I said, I was working part-time um, and he was working full-time uh, from home. And, um, and we got the news that Sun was being purchased by Oracle. And um, we knew that I was gonna lose my job right away because as a, as a part-time um, contractor, you know, we're always the first to go. Um, you know, I, I magically got laid off um, right before both of my children were born, just about a month before my due date. Um, and then magically they found the funding to rehire me once. <laughs> Wow, that's so magical. Yeah, yeah. So um, <laughs> anyhow, that um, we, so we knew that I was going to lose my job right away. Um, and we thought, okay, this is, this is a good time for me to just stay at home. Um, I can get back to some of my creative work. Um, yeah, I had been writing a lot before, um, before the kids were born. But uh, once the kids were born, I, it was hard to even read a book, let alone think about writing a book. Um, so I was I was blogging a lot. That was my creative outlet because it was such a short short space. It also happened to kind of coincide with um, with Blogger and some of the big blogging stuff that was going on in the um, in the early two thousands. Anyway, so it was a good um, it was a good time to be a blogger, and I'm still in touch with some of those women that I met through that experience, and um, and I love that. But um, when, uh, when my husband did finally get laid off about six months after I did, we were like, what are, what are we gonna do now? Is it time, is it time to pivot? And um, so one of his um, former bosses had taken a job in Finland and Matt was offered a job and we thought, why not shake things up a little bit? <laughs> so we moved with a four-year-old and a six-year-old um, to Helsinki, Finland in, in 2010 so that Matt could take a job with Nokia. And, um, and so that I could just really take time off. It was, a, um, it was a good financial move for us that allowed us to really think about like, okay, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna work. Um, and then the kids started school um, in Finland at this amazing international school that I really, really am thankful for. Um, and I just, I had time, I had space to think about like, what, what do I wanna do? And the thing that is really interesting to me is what emerged from that was I wanna, I wanna write for kids. Um, you know, I, it was not completely out of the blue. I'd worked at various times through my life um, doing some marketing and PR for local bookstores, children's bookstores. And, um, and I had actually worked in a, in a bookstore managing the children's department for a couple of years um, on a different international assignment that, um, that my husband had taken. And so I knew I loved kids books, but I hadn't really thought about me writing kids books. And I think that's what started the process for me of writing for that kid that I was. Um, that kid that felt like, 
a little too much, uh, a little too talkative, a little bit too nerdy, a little bit too this, a little bit too that. And I thought I can, I can write for that kid um, and tell that kid the stories that, that would have changed her life. And, um, and so that's really, that's how it started. Um, there were some false starts for sure along the way, but, um, but I really um, started writing as a nearly daily practice. Um, I would say at least a weekly practice, um, you know, in, in 2013 and I've, I've been doing it ever since. And um, so I, again, that started my journey toward being more myself than I've ever been before. Yeah, absolutely. So you said you kind of dabbled in um, with blogging. And so what were some of the inner resources that you needed to kind of cultivate in order to, to start putting your writing out there? Well, you know, I, um, I was an English literature major um, in undergrad and I got a master's in communication management. So I was really working in writing um, throughout my whole career. I mainly worked as um, a technical writer and a training developer. Um, but I also, like I said, spent some time doing um, some freelance um, PR and marketing for mainly for nonprofits. Um, we did some of that on the side, um, you know, when the kids were little and I was working part time and that sort of thing. So I had been working with the written word basically for my entire for my entire career. But um, but then writing creatively. Um, even in the blogging space is a, is a very different thing. Um, so I started, uh, my blog was Terminal Verbosity, um, which is very, a very fitting term for me. And, um, <laughs> and I started writing um, about parenting at first. Uh, you know, the kids were really little. Um, I was very involved in the attachment parenting um, movement, uh, which is a, a, it's a wonderful organization that really promotes nonviolent parenting and um, and I really really believe in um, in their in their approach to um, to raising children with empathy and and patience and that sort of thing and so I I blogged about parenting but then I had I felt the call to blog about some other things and so again I think I haven't necessarily drawn that this connection until just now but I, again, I was trying to um, blog about things that I thought would help the world. Like I blogged a lot about the environment, about the local food movement, um, about environmental um, toxins in our products, uh, whether that's lead in crock pot glazes or um, in our beauty products and that sort of thing. Um, and again, I was, it, I was writing about things that were external um, even when I was writing about parenting, it was more focused on the kids than, than focused on myself. And so I think it took a while for me to feel like I had permission to start to write, uh, write my own stories. So it, one of the things that really sticks out from my memory, this is going to, I'm going to go back in time a little bit, is when I told my family that, um, you know, both of my parents were accountants and had successful um, business lives. And so when I came home from college and said, I think I'm, I'm going to be an English major, I had started out as pre-med and, um, and I did an internship 
um, with, in a hospital and was like, this is, this is not going to be for me. I don't think, um, I don't think this is what I'm going to do. So I switched to English literature and I said, I think, I think I want to be a teacher and a writer. And, um, and my dad basically said, well, you better marry well, or you're going to be broke. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, you know, he wasn't wrong per se. <laughs> right? He's not wrong. <laughs> He's not wrong. However, he was also not right. Right? Like he exactly. Did, that did not did that, that did not honor my um, my desire to help through teaching, um, my desire to express my creativity. It was an extremely extremely practical answer and for two people who had really um, lifted themselves up from um, from poverty and, um, like, I get that. I totally get that, that response there. And, <laughs> and as a parent, I get it. Like you want your kids to be financially secure. You don't want to have to worry that they don't have enough money to pay their bills. And so I totally get that. However, the message that I took away from that is <laughs> being a writer is a terrible idea. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> wrote like on the side as a hobby as um you know surface level things things that I thought things that I thought would get um you know I would I would write to the market things that I thought would get picked up and things that were not deeply me because again I I thought that deeply me was was too much and a, and a little weird so um so that yeah, so that that moment really was like, okay, blogging is okay. Writing for business is okay. Writing marketing materials, writing press releases, writing articles for the local newspaper, all of which I did over the sort of 20 years that I was, was doing this stuff. But writing poetry, which is, I mean, I started writing poetry when I was very young and have always, always, always written poetry, but it was really more a form of journaling for me, not, not something that I would ever show to somebody else or, mm-hmm. or get published. And, and certainly writing books and short stories and that sort of thing was just outside the realm of what, what a good upstanding citizen who's responsible <laughs> and contributing to society does, right? So, um, so then I, I went to Finland and literally for the first time, I really couldn't work um, in any of these sort of acceptable jobs. Um, the only place that hired people who didn't speak Finnish was the company that my husband was working at. Um, and I couldn't, I couldn't work there because he's in human resources. Um, so I really, I couldn't, I couldn't work. So then what did I do? Um, I, I started writing. And as soon as I did, I was like, oh yeah, this is what I should have been doing all along. What I wish I had given myself permission to do when I was 22 years old, but I didn't. Um, but it's never too late. I can't <laughs> tell you the number of stories, these brave yes stories that have the same pattern for women. That pattern of, I, here's what I want to do, but my parents wanted me to do something else, or it just didn't feel like the right thing to do at the time. So I went a different direction. And almost always that different direction was not the direction that they wanted to be in ultimately. And so thus the the brave yes journey begins. 
Um, so it's just so amazing how we don't listen to ourselves. We learn so early not to listen to ourselves. And, and when we finally do at whatever age, right? It's like coming home to yourself. Do you- but it's, it's also not as easy as like a magical switch turned on. And I was writing happily ever after because I had a lot of, um, of trauma to unpack from, from all those years of internalizing those messages. I, um, I am a serious recovering perfectionist. Um, <laughs> Actually, I'm not recovering at this point. Right. I mean, I'm working to, I aspire to recover. Let's, yes. put, let's put it that way. If there's um, a course on that, let me know. <laughs> right. Right. Um, yes. I, I think it's a journey much. though, right? I it's think a that is a journey in and of itself. And definitely therapy. therapy. <laughs> definitely therapy because the thing is, is that if you, if you feel like, um, you know, you're too much, you're too much, you're too much, then to, to get that acceptance that we all really want, like the inner child within us all wants, wants to be accepted and loved. Um, like if I just do this a little better, like, okay, maybe I'm too bossy and I'm too loud, but if I get straight A's, then I'll be, you know, like, then I'll be enough. Or if I get this scholarship, I'll be enough. Or if I, um, if I, I mean, I was the kid, I did every activity there was. I was um, in a madrigal choir. I was in the symphonic wind ensemble. I, um, you know, I played in the pit orchestra. I was in the, um, in the plays and I played tennis. I did, I was in the French club. I did every, like crammed in as much as I could to be enough, right? To be like, to, to be enough, to be, um, to be worthy of, um, of, you know, of love, of acceptance from my family, from my peers. And um, I mean, the truth is, it was not cool to be smart when you were um, in high school in the early nineties. So it didn't work. Still <laughs> not cool, things. actually. No, I don't I think. Was still <laughs> definitely like um, like the the biggest nerd on the planet, and um, and I had like the double cred of of being like a, a science geek and a band geek. I mean, it was really the worst of every. Um, <laughs> I would imagine there's some trauma to unpack there too. (laughs) Oh, so much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that, you know, and it's interesting too, again, one of the reasons that I really, really want to write for children um, and young adults is because there's so much unintentional cruelty in childhood. And I, um, I know actually from talking to people that I was friends with during those eras that they weren't, they weren't trying to be hurtful or harmful. They were either reflecting back what they learned um, from home or from their peers or whatever. But, but again, with a sensitive, earnest kid, the message that you're going to be internalizing is very different than the message that was intended. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Stuff so, there. yeah, I mean, and, and well, first of all, I want to tell you that one, I've kind of had a little epiphany since you've been talking. Um, you know, I talked, I told, I mentioned that I just feel like I'm not at my most creative self. And I'm having this sort of like aha moment that I am not connected to kids anymore. I am connected to pretty serious teenagers. So who are not that, you know, talk about losing your inner child. I mean, they want nothing to do with the inner child, right? Like they're like full on rejecting anything little kid. And 
I'm starting to recognize that I maybe I've lost connection to my own inner child as a result because if things have just gotten so serious, especially over the last year, things have gotten right. really, really serious. Right. And uh, so anyway, thank you for that. Cause I, I think that that's, you know, I've talked about playful living over the years. I mean, for almost a decade, I've been talking about that except over the last year. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. So it just goes to show that I need to reconnect with my own inner child to probably get back to that most creative self. So thank you for that medicine, because I'm going to totally apply it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, just be prepared. I get told all the time by my teenagers that I am so immature, because um, I still think fart jokes are funny. And I dance like a lunatic when a song comes on that I really love. And, you know, they regularly tell me how immature I am. And I'm like, thank you. (laughs) Yes. I love that you can embody that, because I do think that that is... uh, one path is one of the most powerful pathways into creative living. And when we get too serious in parenting, in life, in work, you know, we just do get that resistance. It shows up and it really does impact everything. Um, so yeah, I don't know that. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm think pretty sure that all I have to do is breathe and my kids think I'm, you know, the like worst person at this point, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> blinking and breathing and just being in the same room. But it's also really worth talking about how the events, not just of the last year, but like, let's be honest, the last five years have impacted creativity. Um, I have a, an amazing client right now who's working on a nonfiction project for um, re-envisioning higher education. And um, he has a whole chapter on brain science and neurotransmitters. And one of the biggest blocks to creativity and learning is cortisol, the stress hormone, right? And um, and when do you feel stress hormone? Um, when there's violence in the streets, when you feel division from your neighbors, and then when a giant pandemic descends and kills half a million people. So it's no surprise. I think if anything, it's surprising that anybody is able to create right now. Yes, um, and I you. spent a good chunk of 2020, um, basically in fetal position, not, not creating. And, um, I, I actually, in fact, almost quit, um, last April, I was like, what would happen if I quit writing? Um, nothing would happen if my life would be so much better. It would be, there would no more rejection, no more judgment, (laughs) no more endless revisions. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to quit. So I decided (laughs) I was going to quit. I, embarked on a huge gardening project to have a, a really nice big vegetable garden um, in my yard. And I was like, I am going to grow all of the things instead of writing because writing is terrible. Um, and that lasted for about two weeks. And um, my, you know, my writing friends were like very gently checking in on me, like, are you okay? And I know they were thinking she has lost her mind, lost right? That. Like, what do you mean you're going to quit writing? Um, and, uh, and that, giving myself that permission to quit then made me realize that it wasn't that I needed to quit writing. It was that I needed to think about it, about it differently. And, um, and again, that child was suffering from, from the judgment and the, um, and the rejection of the business side of, of writing. And, um, and so acknowledging that suffering and, and sitting Mm -hmm. with it for a while, um, let me start to be creative, um, 
in a in a whole new way this yeah. fall that I think I've never really experienced before where I was like I'm not going to think about the market or how an agent or an editor is going to respond to this story I'm just going to write this thing that is inside of me that I've been afraid to write and um and it's been really empowering um that's not to say that I'm not terrified this thing that I've been writing is about almost ready to go out into the world and um and I am still terrified that um that it's going to encounter the rejection that everything does, right? Even the most successful um, stories get rejected at some Absolutely. point along the way. Um, but it's also the thing that's the most me um, that honors, um, you know, again, that five-year-old that was like, I want to be a fireman and the president. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I can't wait to read it, whatever it is. Yeah. So what did all of this lead to? You are, you're now definitely writing. Thankfully, you got through your your two week block. I so, did. what else? Um, it's really led to me um, feeling empowered enough to feel like I can now help other women tell their stories, and um, that's been that's been huge for me because, um, again, you know, I was that kid. I wanted to be a teacher, and there's a lot of reasons that I didn't become a teacher. Um, not just because my dad said I would be broke. There were there were other real reasons that I didn't do that, um, and um, and that's fine. But I'm finding my way back to to teaching and um, and connecting with with people on a deeper level about their writing and their stories, um, which I find to be the most fulfilling work that that I've had um, in my life. And so. And learning from that, immersing myself in that creative environment helps my own work. Um, I learn from my clients. I hear myself say things to my clients all the time that apply to my own work. <laughs> that I'm like, let me write that down. So I remember to think about that when I'm back working on, um, on my novels. Um, so yeah, it's really, it's really, I think, inspired a, a big creative um, upswelling within me and it's, and it's impacting our whole family. Um, because I, um, you know, my teenagers are on the path to thinking about college and what they want to do. And, um, I'm trying to do the opposite of, well, don't do that because you'll be broke. <laughs> like find the thing that you deeply love and hang on to it as tightly as you can. Yeah. Um, even if it seems implausible, even if it seems scary, probably especially if it seems scary. Um, and, and with my husband, who's had this like really successful career that is highly stressful and not soul affirming. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, so I, I'm saying to him, like, you know, you can be as happy as I am. Mm -hmm. You can, you just have to be brave enough mm -hmm. to say yes to it, right? This is yep. what it all comes back to. This is to, what right? it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, like life is too short to, exactly. to do suffer things through. because you think you should and suffer mm -hmm. through. Like we, we've been talking about like white knuckling. That's what the last couple of years of, of parenting teenagers and super busy job stress. And I had a um, volunteer job that w I thought was gonna be really great that ended up being very, very stressful. And, um, and we were white knuckling it through everything. And we're like, no more white knuckling. That's our, 
um, that's our new our new <laughs> motto like is yeah no more white knuckling because life is too short to to like get yeah. through life that way exactly oh yeah well thank you for all of that um I want to ask you the same five questions that I ask all of the guests and kind of just kind of top of mind you know off the cuff just get this is where you get to be fully creative you know um so you kind of just alluded what does brave yes mean to you well, so I have a, a really good friend and um, she always says, the thing I appreciate appreciate about you, Julie, is that no matter what I ask, you're like, yes, let's do, I'm in. <laughs> so like, do you want to go on this trip? Yes. Uh, do you want to learn to play soccer? Yes. Do you want to go jump in the frozen Baltic Sea? Yes, I'm in. So to me, that's the brave yes. Is like, if your heart says yes, to actually follow it. Yeah. Instead of coming up for all the reasons why you can't. And I like that you said I'm in too, because I think that that's part of the brave yes is you've got to be all in. Mm-hmm. It's not a so, kind of, it's not a kind of maybe, you know, it's a I'm in, I'm doing this. Yeah. Scary, yeah. whatever, I'm doing it. Especially if it's scary. That's especially. what I keep telling myself, especially if especially. it's scary. Yep, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So favorite life adventure that you have already experienced and what is a future life experience you would like to have in the future? Well, um, I've kind of alluded to this a couple of times as we've been talking, but travel has been a huge part of our, our lives. I actually met my husband um, studying abroad in, in France when we were in college. And, uh, and we lived in England for a little while after that. And, um, and we lived in Finland, as I mentioned. So um, those, those life experiences of immersing ourselves in another culture um, have been really, really formative to me and have helped um, in a lot of ways, like all the potential we have in this country for changing things for the better. <laughs> and, um, and it's very um, inspiring, um, but also interesting to see that there can be cultures that are so radically different from ours. Um, some things that we assume as the default or as the way things have to be are just not that way in other countries. And um, and so seeing that and being open to that is, is um, it helps you see the possibilities. Can I just clarify, where are you living now? Because I'm getting the feeling that you're not in Finland anymore. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, we, we, live, um, we live outside Seattle. Um, I, I like to say I live in um, a magical forest outside Redmond, Washington. So okay. um, I'm looking out at, at cedar trees and, um, you know, just the very beginnings of spring here. And Beautiful. Um, yeah. Yeah. So future life experience. Well, I am really looking forward to being able to, um, to travel again, but the biggest life adventure that, um, that I'd like to have um, that was inspired by this, this weekend's trip out to San Juan Island is I'm really hoping to create a retreat center um, that can be kind of a second career. Like I said, get, getting my husband out of this um, stressful job that he's in right now and, um, and creating this re- retreat center where, uh, where women can come to create um, and where I would do some teaching and some inspiring, maybe bring in some, um, some guest speakers. So we're on the lookout for a, for a house, a little house with a, um, a big old barn on the property that I can renovate and, um, and create a, um, a retreat center. So that 
that is the big adventure that I'm leaning into right now is how can I make that um, happen so that I can create a safe space for people to kind of um, to process what they've been through in their lives and, and find their story that they want to tell. Yeah, beautiful. Sign me up. Yeah, yeah. What is a recent book or movie that you have read or watched that has inspired you? Well, I just finished not too long ago, um, Ibby's a Boy's Punching the Air, which is a novel in verse um, about uh, teenage incarceration and, um, and racism, and, um, but also about creativity. And um, the main character is, um, is an artist. And so I was expecting to read the book because I wanted the social justice to, to dig into that social justice aspect and, and learn more about um, the prison system in this country. Um, but what I hadn't expected was to be inspired as an artist um, by, this, by this boy's story and about the way that, um, that expressing yourself can, can literally save your life when you're in um, the darkest times. And, um, and so that was, a, that was a message I really, really needed. Um, to get. So I love, um, I love that book and I recommend it to everybody. Thank you. I'm going to put that on my list. I haven't heard of it. Yeah. Okay. Final question. Who is someone that you admire for their courage and authenticity and why? Well, I, um, I just went to, well, virtually of course, um, to Anne Lamott's um, book launch party for her latest book, which I have right here on the shelf, um, Dusk, Night, Dawn. And, um, and I really admire everything she does. I mean, I, I have been following her um, since she was writing for Salon before a lot of her, her books had even come out. So years and years and years and years. But um, she is somebody I think that really lives her most authentic self. And, um, and I just, if you've ever heard her speak, she's so dynamic. Um, and amazing. So I, I consume everything that she puts out into the world and I try to, um, I try to fully, fully absorb it because um, she's such an inspiration to me and has gotten me through many a, a dark time um, in my creative life. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Totally agree. And I have seen her speak. It's like being, um, it's like, you know, you're just like the fan club, right? Like when it, whenever she, people get, I don't know. It's just like, it, it's a, it's a spiritual experience to be in a room with Anne Lamott. Yes. It <laughs> That's really how I can is. define that. It She's a spiritual is. woman, but it's a spiritual experience to be in a room yeah. with her. But yes, yeah, she is, you're right. Like totally walking the, the talk, right? Like mm -hmm. doing it, showing up, not afraid to put it out there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love, I love that. I agree. I always agree with everybody that everybody says, but I'm also a huge Anne Lamott fan. So that was a yeah. good one. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. Tell people where your website um, or however you want them to find you, follow you and get in, into some kind of communication. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Um, well, I'm very easy to find online because I'm Julie Arts, A-R-T-Z everywhere. So my website is juliearts.com. Um, I'm Julie Arts on Twitter and Instagram. 
<laughs> and on Medium, actually, um, where I write a lot about um, about the creative life and and about craft and um, and sometimes about gardening and parenting and stuff like that as well. So um, yeah, I right now I am um, offering a five step revision workbook to people who subscribe to my newsletter, um, which is again a, a monthly newsletter all about getting more creative in your life and, um, and following the writing path. So, um, I'd love to connect with people anywhere. Okay. Places. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here today. It was really a pleasure. And I just loved everything um, that you had to share about your brave. Yes. And the creative process. And so thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me.